Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of the Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. Welcome to a special bonus episode of the podcast. As always, I'm Mike Bobbitt, here with my lovely wife, Allison Bobbitt, and we are joined for this You Made Us Watch episode by my mom. You've heard us speak of her on the podcast before. Anytime we have to watch a movie that has a uh, (laughs) lewd or crude scene. It seems like those are the movies we end up watching with my mom, and uh, uh, everyone's horribly embarrassed. (laughs) Uh, So uh, this week we ended up watching a movie that, off the top of my head, it doesn't have any lewd or crude scenes, aside from Fred Willard as a sex symbol, as opposed to (laughs) uh, uh, a comic genius. Um, Mom, you made us watch the 1979 made-for-television miniseries adaptation of Stephen King's Salem's Lot. Yes, I did. And it is different than the book, but it's still a good movie. Yeah, I was re- I was listening to a podcast that was talking about the book a bit. This was Stephen King's second novel right after Carrie, and they were talking about how this was such a huge leap forward in his writing skills because he's very poetic in this in the way that he describes things and he just really builds the tension up over the first 100 150 pages and i know you've been a stephen king fan since the beginning i i imagine you read carrie as well right? oh yes, yes. so did you pick up salem's lot because you were already a stephen king fan or did you just like the horror genre i was a stephen king fan he's a one of my favorite authors and anything he puts out, even a grocery list, I'd probably read. <laughs> yeah. The novel came out in 1975. So I imagine you probably got it right around 1975. Yes. And uh, you were reading it and the power went out in the house. Yes. And we were living in Sylvania, Ohio, if I remember correctly. And there were a lot of trees and our backyard was terribly, terribly dark. And when the lights went out, It was like I was stuck someplace. Very scary feeling. The lights came back on. You guys were in bed. Dad was out of town. I was downstairs in the family room reading all alone, and the lights went out, and I'm reading a Stephen King book, and oh, my gosh. (laughs) So when the miniseries came out 
Oh, I had to see it. But I know it isn't super faithful to the adaptation. Stephen King did say that he liked the fact that they went a completely different direction with the vampire. Yeah. So it let you care more about the town people. Yes. What what was your feeling in 1979? Because I remember vaguely watching this or... I've been aware of it. Like, you know, 1979 Star Wars was my everything. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I was, if anything, I was like, David soul is no Harrison Ford. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. He isn't. He wouldn't have been my first choice to play Ben Mears. I don't know who would have been, but definitely not him. Ben Gazzara was the first choice. Oh, well, he would have been a little old for that role, I think. Yeah. But David soul was not, convincing as a writer he couldn't act his way out of a paper bag (laughs) but that's just my twisted uh opinion of him yeah i mean as a writer he only wrote one uh one good one song that uh charted oh geez he did have a yeah okay he had it yeah i played it for allison today and allison was like oh yeah i I know that song yeah (laughs) it's not great oh okay come on silver lady (laughs) yeah it's not not very good so i'm not missing anything that i cannot recall his claim to fame no nope but i'll drop it in the podcast right here okay come on silver lady take my word i won't run out on you again believe me oh i've seen the light it's just one long fight without a you was better than the movie because with words you can create things that might be really hard to create in real life. Yeah. Now, Allison, you did not dig the miniseries. I did not. I didn't like that the vampire was Nosferatu, essentially. It felt like kind of a ripoff. But like you said, the vampire was completely different in in the book. So I probably would have liked a vampire like that, like something more original. Yeah. I didn't like his henchmen. Right. And that was uh, another thing that, Mom, yes. you said was completely different than the yes. book. It wasn't James Mason. <laughs> no. If I remember correctly, he was kind of like a hulky type figure, mm-hmm. a bald head, strong as could be. They never explained how he came to be enthralled by Nosferatu. And he, yeah, Allison is right. He was a really bad choice of a vampire, but maybe they had to have that vampire so people would realize oh that's a vampire not just a really cool guy i don't know but he was not a good choice i agree but he was james mason judy garland's love interest in a star is born oh come on i've seen two a star is born i i can't imagine james mason being in a star is born the original, I know. Well, uh, technically, the Judy Garland one is the second one. There have been four adaptations. Because of- isn't the first one um, like a stage production or was there another movie? Mm, there's another movie. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, well, we'll have to watch that one of these no, days. No, we don't. <laughs> We're good. I tried watching the Judy Garland one and I was like, uh, oh, okay. you got it. Yeah. I- Two was plenty. Yeah. 
Well, I, I think we'll pass on that one then. I'll think of something else to make you watch. He yes. he also plays, I believe, one of the uh, the pedophiles in Lolita. So, oh well, yeah. I cannot remember ever seeing Lolita. Speaking of pedophiles, that brings me to the boys. <laughs> oh my god, what a segue! In, in the book, they were like eight and ten, and these kids look like they were old enough to drive. The Glick kids? Yeah, or? the Glick, Glick, Glick kids were like eight and ten, I thought. Okay. And so was the, I can't even remember his name, and he was a major character, the other kid. Oh, the other kid oh, that was friends Mark with. Mark Petrie? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Petrie? Yeah. Mark Petrie, yeah, yeah. he was supposed to be like an eight-year-old, not skilled at picking locks or getting here's, out of ropes. Here's my question, and I imagine the book probably answers this. So- I know it ends considerably different, like the priest in the miniseries, in both versions, apparently, because this was remade in the early 2000s with Rob Lowe playing the Ben Mears character. But the priest in both television versions uh, and in this one, the priest is such a small role, but he's a much bigger character in the book, right? In the book, he completely loses his faith in that. Right. He's like an alcoholic. And, yeah. Yeah. And that character later becomes one of the major characters in the Dark Tower books, right? The priest? I didn't read the all of the Book Tower books. You said you were a Stephen King fan mm-hmm. at the beginning of this. Yes, and I said I would read his grocery lists. However, the Dark Tower series is not a grocery list or the stand <laughs> or Carrie or Salem's Lot. Okay. There are some things you just don't like, and I didn't like th- that storyline at all. Oh, okay. But um, Ben Mears talks about how... Susan Norton, who's the love interest in this, played by <laughs> Bonnie Bedelia from Die Hard, mm-hmm. uh, that the mom was still at home waiting for her to show up. But they have kind of like a, a bookends of this where Ben Mears and apparently a an eight year old child who looks uh, seventeen, who looks yeah seventeen, uh, Mark Petrie are in in the book. It's Mexico and in the TV movie, it's Guatemala for some reason. So what happens to the mom in the book? Oh, she obviously got got. So it's it's open-ended. You don't really know what yeah, happened. Yeah, no, you don't know. That was, well, well, this was Stephen King's second book, and he probably lost her in the crowd. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's fair. It's hard to account for every minor character. Yeah, well, I would have kept better notes if I were Stephen King. I was listening to a few interviews with him today, and one of the things he was talking about was getting lost in the weight of how many characters are in the stand. And he was like, I don't know what to do. There's just so many characters. Oh, maybe I'll just like blow up half of them. So that's why (laughs) half the characters, the all the ones in Vegas, and end up getting a exploded because yes. he's just like i don't i don't know anymore <laughs> there's too many maybe uh susan norton's mom was with everyone else in yes. vegas and she got blown up be. with uh yeah. the trash can man or what was the character's name in uh the stand trash can trash can yeah. okay mm-hmm. yeah. i believe so now you've got me doubting <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. i also didn't understand why ben and susan were like immediately in love yeah, how's that different in the book? That was weird. It was not as quick for them to uh, fall in love in the book. Uh, it, that was more like a little sideline of it. It was more of him 
being obsessed with the Marston house because Hubie Marston hung himself in it. And they, he, the movie doesn't explain why the uh, two men want that house so badly. Did they yeah. have some tie to it or something? No, they just got it. There was no, there was nothing, at least nothing that I remember that explained why those, yeah. the, the vampire and his henchmen wanted the house more than yeah. anyone else. And I still don't like the cheap trick that they did having uh, Mark Petrie pick that lock to get into the basement. Well, yeah. he was like the escape artist. Yeah, and they he's showed like him a magician. Yeah, really but into... he's not that in the book. So whenever oh, I he saw wasn't? him, no, oh, okay. oh, weird. No, he he wasn't a weird kid. He was just uh, worried about math and English in school, and mm-hmm. he didn't have any of the little quirks that the movie had the character have. I well, felt kind of cheated. I kind of didn't hate that about him. That he kind of had like a personality. Like I think sometimes movies will really not give you any background on a character no quirks nothing they're just kind of generic so it it, i kind of liked that but i can see how it wouldn't make sense like that he would be that way especially since the kids themselves were yes much older they were supposed to be very young children and they weren't they were like they were teenagers. Yes. The the one younger brother seemed to be maybe like 10 or 12, but... I did like the effects that they used for the flying of the kids outside the windows, though. Yeah, that, that actually was pretty good. Yeah, that was very good special effect. They shot it, parts of it in reverse, so that's why like the smoke has like a weird sort of like ethereal quality to yeah. it. Because the oh. smoke all around them is actually going backwards. Oh. And so when they have to like scratch at the windows, they're they're doing it kind of like in reverse and everything, which I thought looked really neat. And then the other thing that they did was instead of hanging them from like wires or whatever, they're kind of sitting on a crane but it's just shot straight on, so you can't see that they're actually kind of like harnessed to like a crane behind them, which is how they're able to fly in straight through the window. Oh. And yeah, so there's no like awful CG lines around them or yeah. anything like that. So I thought that was very well done. I don't think at that time in 79 they were doing CG effects like well, that. Well, yeah, they were doing... They were doing yeah, minor stuff. Like Star okay. Wars was 77. Oh, and, that's true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it wasn't as... Uh, on a television budget, though, probably yeah. not. Yeah. I mean, they might have, but they probably would have done something where they just like superimposed something. Yeah. Well, um, I remember like Battlestar Galactica, which was probably around 79, just reused a lot of the shots from the original movie. <laughs> Same with Buck Rogers, where it's like, okay, we're going to do a movie, but then we're going to reuse all of the spaceship scenes from yeah. the movie in the entire history of the TV series. Yeah. Well, spaceships are expensive to build. Mm-hmm. They are. Yes. Yeah. Jeffrey Lewis is in this. He plays a um, guy who works in groundskeeper a groundskeeper a of a cemetery. Yeah. yeah. I almost said <laughs> grave robber, but nope. <laughs> no. Uh, he is Juliet Lewis's dad. Yep. And one, well, he's dead now, but he was one of the 
senior members of the Church of Scientology because he is one of the like goes back to L. Ron Hubbard like at the beginning. Oh and, my goodness! Yeah, so he's responsible for Tom so many people like you know of that circle like the Ethan Suplee and you know Juliet Lewis and Giovanna Ribisi and mm-hmm. uh, Jason Lee for a while and uh, Beck. Like all of that young Hollywood, you know, all the people that are in their, well, 40s now, but it was all from hanging out with, you know, Jeffrey Lewis and, you know, when Juliet Lewis and her brothers were uh, kids, uh, they all got indoctrinated into Scientology <laughs> mm-hmm. from this character actor who was, uh, strangely enough, Clint Eastwood's buddy, because he's the comic relief in like Any Which Way But Loose and mm-hmm. Bronco Billy and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah, now I remember. Yeah, but okay. uh, yeah, Clint Eastwood was probably like, I don't have any time for... Uh, for that nonsense. For, yeah, my Clint Eastwood, I just realized, sounds almost identical to my... Uh, Harrison Ford. It does. I was just thinking that. I was like, oh, okay. So older guys just have yeah. grizzled voices. Yeah, I, I think it my Clint, works. I think my Clint Eastwood sounds more like Harrison Ford than my Harrison Ford does. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't kill my wife. Oh, oh, that's not bad. No, no. that not one bad. wasn't terrible. Yeah. No, it wasn't. On a scale of one to ten, I would rate the book a nine, and this miniseries probably a four. Oh, really? I was not impressed with the movies. I'll have to watch the one with the said Rob Lowe. Yeah. I have to give that one a try. Yeah, it's a it's a big change. The older teacher, obviously, it's a different relationship because Ben Mears goes back and sees his teacher from when Ben Mears was 10 years old. <laughs> like, this yeah. teacher is like, I always knew you had a promising career. At 10? At te- of yeah, course, yes. Well, Yeah. But uh, in the 2004 version, Andre Brower plays that teacher character. Oh. <laughs> and oh. I, I think he's about the same age as Rob Lowe. I was going to so. say, I'm like, uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. There were some good bits to the movie. Um, I thought a lot of the effects were good, but I didn't really like the story itself. You kind of know what's about to happen. And I think that's just one of those things where it's an older movie so the tropes been used over and over again yeah and stephen king wrote this or came up with the idea of this when he was in school mm-hmm. and he read dracula he was like oh well what would happen if like dracula. dracula came here where he was living so he just kind of you know invented you know this small town the analogy uh <laughs> we started to record this earlier today and then Allison and I had to take our child to the ER so this is actually the second time we've recorded yes. um so he's fine by the way no he's still there we just came back home to uh, <laughs> record the podcast with my mom uh but I I was the first time we recorded I talked about this earlier so I'll tell the story again Stephen King in relation to writing Storm of the Century was talking about how good writing is like a peanut butter cup like Storm of the Century, he came up with the idea of having a Storm of the Century, which was the chocolate, and then throw a monster in it, too, and that's the peanut butter. And they would both taste great by themselves, but together, whoa, you got a masterpiece. And I think that's kind of what he was going for with this, which I think is something that he 
does again later on, you know, especially with the stand where he just fills the story with a lot of really interesting, quirky characters, Mm -hmm. which is the chocolate. And then, you know, let's throw a vampire at them, the peanut butter. So I don't know that I would be in a hurry to read Salem's Lot anytime soon because I'm not as big of a Stephen King fan as you are. I, I think he really struggles with sticking a landing, but uh, <laughs> um, but I am curious to you know research more about the town people because I, I guess the book also has a hunchback or something like that in the cemetery or there's like a there's also like an uh, some sort of um, message about how while the vampire is this evil thing. It also manages to take characters that, while they were alive, hated each other. Because isn't there like a girl and a guy that were, they were antagonists when they were alive, but when they become vampires, they start working together or something like that in the book? I don't recall that, but you could be right. I could be wrong. You know what I felt cheated about? They never showed the vampire in a coffin. They kind of did. Yeah, at the, at the end. At the end. Remember when they like, drag it out to, you know, in the day that, <laughs> the final the, day. By the time they drag it out, they're like, it's nighttime. Yeah, the final yeah. day in Salem's Lot, like the night before, Ben Mears is like, all right, so tomorrow we got to kill the vampire, which should be the number one thing on his to-do list. <laughs> as well as like the doctor, but the doctor is like, well, I got to do a shift at the hospital, even though there are no patients because everyone's either everyone's a fled vampire town. or fled town. For some reason, <laughs> Ben Mears waits until almost sundown to go kill the vampire that he's like, we got to do this first thing in the morning. And uh, so, yeah, they drag him out of that little carefully hidden hole, which is plywood <laughs> with a padlock yeah and uh they bring it out and then all of a oh, sudden yeah it's like, now yeah, i remember yeah. yeah but it it was very underwhelming yeah yeah so in the uh 2004 version uh striker is played by donald sutherland so at least he's taller than james mason yeah <laughs> yes and, and uh, he seems less sophisticated as a person i mean James Mason's kind of prissy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fussy. He was uh, married to the um, yeah, you said Glick she- mom, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the, what's the name of the, Barlow is the vampire? Yeah. He's played by Rutger Hauer in the oh. remake. Oh. And looks more like suave and, you know, looks yeah. like Rutger Hauer. So. Yeah. I kind of expect vampires to be good-looking and able to hypnotize their victims. But this, having the vampire show up looking like Nosferatu, just, it didn't go with the story for me, but maybe I'm just old-fashioned and fussy. Yeah. No, it felt really comical to me because Nosferatu is a type of vampire that's so specific. It doesn't get copied a lot unless you're trying to say, like, it's Nosferatu, like most people have Dracula. Yeah. As like a very generic vampire. So and and you know, Bella Lugosi was very suave, very charming. And he was blue for some reason. <laughs> which I was like, why is he blue? Like his skin was blue. <laughs> it made no sense. He needed more blood. 
I guess. I think part of what may have ruined the vampire for Allison was, uh, and I'm pretty sure that we made you watch this at one point in time too, Mom. They basically used this archetype for the vampire roommate that lives in the basement in What We Do in the Shadows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. So. And he's like very comical. Yeah. (laughs) That's probably a big part of it is that I think it's Peter. Yeah. Peter. Julie Cobb, who plays Fred Willard's. Mistress. Yeah. uh, (laughs) She was married to James Cromwell. Oh, wow. Who plays the priest in the remake. And they basically got together shortly before this was made, and they uh, the relationship fell apart shortly after James Cromwell made the remake. Oh, damn. So uh, Salem's Lot bookends their relationship. That's sad. Aw, that's sad. Very sad. The doctor is played by Ed Flanders, who uh, I Ned most- Flanders? Ed Flanders. Ned Flanders? Yeah, Ned Flanders. <laughs> Heidi ho Heidi ho neighbor. <laughs> I know Ed Flanders mostly from St. Elsewhere, because we were a St. Elsewhere household. Yes. And uh, <laughs> just because I like to bring things down, I don't oh, know why I'm uh, laughing as I'm about to say this. I don't know why this. you're laughing either. So, uh, yeah, he killed himself. <laughs> um, uh, 60 years old. Stop laughing. Wow. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, he blew he his brains out. He killed himself. Yeah, hmm. it was very yeah. sad. He, uh, very sad. Yeah, he... Uh, it's weird for me when, like, the the mom Judd and everything, like, how does someone who struggles with depression stick around that long and then just... <laughs> oh, my God. I don't, you know, I, don't, I don't know. I don't mean that to be, you know, glib, but it's like... Oh, my God. Maybe you just get to wow. a point where you're like, well, you know, like, I've gotten through all this time. Like, I'm older. I'm kind of done. Yeah, I mean, and if you're feeling, you know, if you're depressed and suicidal, like I struggle with depression, but I'm also 50, and I'm like, well, I don't know, <laughs> I'm over oh halfway done. <laughs> you have children, yeah, and a wife, yeah, and we love you. I know, and I love you guys too. All but right. yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't, you know, want to blow my brains out because I'm like. I don't know. The, the worst is probably behind me. Oh <laughs> Suicide is a young man's game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so dark. So the constable in this, which it's so weird to call a small town sheriff a constable. I've never. Is it's that like, like a seventies thing. thing or? I don't know. I've always thought they were either sheriffs or deputies or police chiefs. Yeah, officers. I, I don't know where was... Const- Maybe because it was an older town. Yeah, maybe he was played by Kenneth McMillan, who plays the Baron Horkin in that uh, David Lynch Dune movie. So it's very weird to me to think, oh, I had an action figure of, of Constable Parkins. <laughs> he ran away like a bitch. So it's briefly touched on in the miniseries that it's actually Jerusalem's. Salem's is just like the nickname for it, right? Right. And then the book also talks about how it's actually not named after Jerusalem, the place, but a rabid pig. Yes. Explain that. Uh, and is I there can't. any tie to Cujo? You think with that or no? 
No, I don't think there's any connection with Cujo and a rabid pig. Why would they name it after a rabid pig? Do they explain that at all? or No, they didn't. Huh. Just, uh, the lot was the place where the pigs were kept. Okay. So that's where the lot comes from, and it, well, Jerusalem was a pig, which is a weird name for a pig. Uh, you know, if I'm going to name an animal, be fluffy or fuzzy or hairy or something like that, not Jerusalem. I love that you just named all your cats. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Or yes. Chucky or... Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, cats sort of grow to fit their names. I digress but mike named fluffy yes yes that seems right off of the center of a three musketeer bar yes because fluffy uh was soft like that oh like nougat yeah yeah oh he was like six years old yeah i thought it was and so brian got to name the next cat called that one harry even though H-A-I-R-Y. Yeah, no, I got she it. she and not a, <laughs> yeah. not a hairy. It's okay. So then yeah. when we got fuzzy, we were like, I, let's just complete the motif. <laughs> yeah. That's cute. Allison eventually wants to get a German Shepherd and name it Burt Reynolds. Name a German Shepherd what? Burt Reynolds. Why Burt Reynolds? Because Burt Reynolds is basically a German, was basically a German Shepherd of people. Oh. He just looks like if he were a dog, he would be a German Shepherd. I feel like Mel Gibson is more the German Shepherd of people. Oh my god! Mel no, Gibson no. Is a Nazi. Mel Gibson's like a Rottweiler. Mel Gibson. Well, I'm just saying is a monster because he's an anti-Semite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which is weird because he did that whole movie, movie The Passion. Well, yeah, but in it, he was like, you know, the Jews killed Jesus. That was like part of yeah, what. Yeah, it was like, a whole like, look yeah. at what the Jews did to Jesus. Yeah. Oh. Let's really dig in on everything the Jews did to Jesus. But it was the Romans. Yeah. I think it's funny, too, that very recently it came out in the news that Mel Gibson was going to be one of the witnesses in the case against Harvey Weinstein. <gasps> and people are like, oh, wow. And I'm like, well, of course, Harvey Weinstein's Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is taking a weird turn yeah yes. much like a stephen king book absolutely yeah. well thank you for making us watch this well you are welcome i am glad that it was not as totally terrible <laughs> i i don't know that we will necessarily be joining you for the rob Lowe uh no, version of this you can watch that all okay i i probably will put that on my to-do list and that will be long time in the future and there was also a um, sequel, Return to Salem's Lot, that no. was a television miniseries, oh. because this did well, and uh, they wanted to adapt this into a regular television series, because the two-part miniseries did so well, which... Devastating. <laughs> David Soul and an eight-year-old boy. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what would they even do? Just go around and be in not Salem's Lot anymore? Well, based on the um, story that I told you about George Rose from Pirates of Penzance, oh, I think you know it. <laughs> oh, I think I missed that one, and I uh, think I'm okay. You did, and oh, you don't want to know. You'll have to listen to the Pirates of Penzance episode of this podcast. She's like, I don't want to listen to anything about Pirates of Penzance ever again. <laughs> okay, yeah, I know you didn't enjoy this movie, Allison, yeah. but... Compared to Pirates of Penzance? Oh, it's better than Pirates of Penzance because it's not um, a steaming pile of garbage. <laughs> At least there was something to enjoy about Salem's Lot. Like, it's not my favorite, 
probably won't watch it again. But it's definitely one of those movies where I'm like, I bet the book is way better. Yeah. And yeah. it wasn't terrible. I just, eh, it was fine. I did think it was funny at the end when Ben Mears, well, <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, uh, what's her name? Susan. Linda? Susan? Susan. Uh, is turned into a vampire. Wait, and- you don't know that yet. Yeah, but you know it. You know, because <laughs> yeah. she's laying in his bed with her eyes closed. And yeah. She's like, Ben. I could have seen how this would have been a, a television series, though, because apparently holy water will glow like a, a glow stick when vampires are hunting you. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, she shows up and she has like this whole long conversation with him with her eyes closed. And it's like, ooh, I wonder if she's going to open her eyes and they're going to be glowing yellow. And uh, surprise, 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 as Gomer yeah, Pyle would like, say. Yeah, her <laughs> eyes flip open and she's like, kiss me. And all of a sudden there's fangs and glowing eyes. And I'm like, oh, my God. How is my Gomer Pyle imitation? It was pretty good. <sighs> surprise, surprise. Honestly, I know who Gomer Pyle is. I just can't imagine the line. Like I know, like I know the line, but I can't envision it. I'm so sorry. Well, it was perfect. Okay, good job. It was the best impression I've ever done. I'm proud of you. Mm? (laughs) (laughs) You're really good at impressions. Uh, Yeah, you're great at impressions and accents. Mm -hmm. You should teach a class. Here's my Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh God! I'll return. (laughs) I'm so mad at you. You know who's gonna love that? Your brother and no one else. (laughs) God damn it. I hate you. I love you so much. Here's my Henry Winkler as no. <laughs> no. Archie Fonzatelli. No. Yeah. I'm so mad. <laughs> I'm done. So, I, I want you to know that right now your kid is going crazy. My child your unborn child of you. Yeah. is going nuts. So I don't know if he hates this or loves it. So... <laughs> Normally, we do a preview episode where we talk about what we are going to uh, talk about. But since we didn't do this for this one, because it's a bonus episode, in the preview episodes, we also do recommendations. So, Mom, is there anything that you've watched or read or listened to recently that you think people might enjoy that you would like to uh, give a little plug to? Right now, I'm reading The Cabin at the End of the World, and that book is fantastic. Since you were talking about a trailer, I assume it's a movie of some kind. Yes, it's going to be an M. Night Shyamalan movie coming out early next year. I want to see it for my birthday. Okay. It's going to be called Knock at the Cabin, and it comes out. It's due out February 3rd, 2023. So, yes, we can... Uh, <laughs> I, think I think we might be yeah, we sidetracked have, <laughs> for a little. We bit have there. something um, happening right around that time, <laughs> yeah. so we might yeah. have to yeah. wait. Yeah. So when your birthday rolls around two weeks after that, yes, we can go see it, and uh, or we can wait till it comes on pay per view because that would be much more new mama friendly. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying. Well, no, you said it wasn't one that you think you would be able to handle. No. Because it's about four strangers nope. that show up at nope. a cabin. I can't. I don't want to. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you can go see it. Right. I'm just saying, yeah, don't but- be gone that long. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. My mom doesn't like leaving the house. <laughs> no, I don't. I've, I'm 
very happy and comfortable here. Hey, at least there wasn't any scene in Salem's Lot, kind of like how we had to sit through Ryan Phillippe sticking a... a oh, God, a piece of celery. A piece of celery butt. up his butt <laughs> and dance around during MacGruber when we had to watch that with you. Remember that? She's no, like, I don't. I blocked I it out. <laughs> I, oh, that explains it. You just block out some of the things we make oh, you watch absolutely. with us. I don't remember that at all. And how would wanna. anybody do that? For comedic effect. Truly, that was all. I don't all think it was. it's funny. I think it's just it wasn't funny. It was so stupid. Weird. It was stupid and weird, and that's why it was funny. Because you're yeah. like, why is this? A, why are they do like? Why mm-hmm. is it happening? It's to distract and throw off the bad guys. Yeah, it was a distraction. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I do remember you and your brother talking about when you would watch things that you shouldn't. You thought you shouldn't watch. You would put. Uh, the afghans that i made over your heads you know look through the holes to see what you weren't supposed to see (laughs) (laughs) that's crap i used to do though too yeah my mom would be like cover your eyes and be like okay (laughs) fingers parted well thank you for being part of our halloween special mom well thank you for inviting me yeah i enjoyed spending the time with you two you three yes (laughs) yes Yeah, there is a third right now who has no choice. All right. Until next week. Happy Halloween, everyone. And bye-bye. Spooky bye. Bye-bye. Happy Halloween.